Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, folks, welcome to a special edition of our Ducks and Pucks podcast. We're going to be covering all the trade action by the Ducks uh, that just happened this week. Uh, answer some fan questions and go over some of that and talk about the uh, matchups coming up um, in the next couple days. Uh, but before we get started, just want to give a happy birthday to the Ducks. If you didn't know, today, March 1st, uh, back in 1993, Eddie, the Ducks uh, became an actual um, NHL organization as far as their name uh, on the state. Perfect time to do a podcast then. Yes, Exactly. And and one little fact that you didn't know, in December of uh, 1992 was when the actual franchise was awarded. But today is the actual date that their name, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, was given to them. So with that, we'll get to all the trades now. Uh, you know, the Ducks, just kind of like last year, Eddie, uh, we, we did the blab. Uh, we went on there and we talked for a little bit. We had Phil Hewitt on there. We had uh, Pete on there. Uh, that has helped us too. He runs the Everything uh, Hockey account on Twitter. He's also wrote about us in Sports Illustrated. He's a very good friend of ours. They both came on along with uh, Thomas and our writer, Phil, and we talked a lot about what had happened, but uh, we didn't stay on long enough for all the moves, Eddie. Uh, We had a couple in the morning and then a couple in the afternoon. Um, Some mixed reactions from the fans. Uh, Some fans were happy with some of the earlier ones and and then not so happy with some of the later ones, but... um, Let's go with the first one, Eddie. This this one, uh, I believe, was a complete and absolute steal by uh, Bob Murray. Uh, Brandon Perry comes to the Ducks for a sixth-round pick in 2016, Eddie. Yeah, we took uh, Bob Murray a little bit for granted there, getting off uh, off early. I mean, we talked about the whole blob on on how we would expect him to come in late in the thing in the in the trade deadline and pull something off, and we got off a little bit too early and. Uh, just a quick thing for anybody who who wants to check that out. Still, you can actually go on um, the Ducks Bucks Blab and, and you can rewatch uh, rewatch the whole thing if you really want to watch all four hours or <laughs> four hours. Uh, there's a couple highlights in there. I mean, I came on out in in a blizzard at one point. Phil uh, <laughs> Hewlett was on there too as well, which was always entertaining. And, and uh, as you said, Pete came on as well, which was actually was very entertaining for for us and I guess for everybody viewing it. Uh, at the time as well. So if you want to go check that out, you can you can go on Blab and go on the Ducks Bucks account on there and, and check it out. But definitely, yeah, moving on to, to the Brandon Peary trade. I mean, from what we heard, um, if anybody saw the tweets earlier on, um, the rumors of, of what the value was going to be for Brandon Peary was, you know, there was a Western Conference team apparently offering a second-round pick. Um, there was another team offering a third and fourth, which a lot of people were saying, you know, that the Kings were the team offering the second uh, in speculation, and the Ducks were the team offering the third and fourth. I mean, nothing was confirmed about that, but the reports themselves were coming from some pretty credible people. And then we see this trade come through, and for a sixth-round pick, I mean, the, this is the. It's hard to say you want you want to say it's the steal of the draft, but it was it was a great trade. And I mean, for a guy who's 24. He's an RFA, so you do control him. I mean, this is the deal he was looking for, and and what a cheap price to get him for. Yeah, I agree, Eddie. I think uh, we kind of exploded on Blab when this came out. We were shocked because, like you said, we were expecting him to go for second, third round pick, you know, maybe fourth round. When we saw sixth round pick, we were like, wow, 
you know, Bob Murray magic at its best. So, I mean, this was an awesome uh, move uh, for the Ducks, as you said. Um, you know, he scored uh, 11 goals so far in 52 games uh, with Florida this season. So, you know, it's another scoring winger. He's got 24 total points in 52 games, which is not bad either. So we'll have to see. The only question with him is he's got an ankle injury, which they said that the uh, the team doctors are going to check him out this week. Uh, he and uh, McGinn in the other trade, uh, which we'll get to, uh, both flew into Anaheim today. I don't know the exact time, but they weren't at practice. So we'll have to see uh, how long. That's probably the only negative thing, Eddie, is uh, the injury uh, here. We don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be that long or else Murray wouldn't have made this deal. Yeah, and I mean, for a guy who's already scored 20 goals, he, he had a, a Cy Young type of year last year where he scored a 22 goals only had two assists but still I mean he did surpass 20 goals and a guy like Bodker who who did go in and for a hefty price that uh that Colorado had to pay uh, a guy who's never scored 20 goals and, and he went you know for the price that he went for and then you're able to get Brendan Peary for a six-round pick it, 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 yeah it's just amazing but um yeah with the the injury I don't think it's nagging uh I mean it, it's not too bad and I mean the numbers he's put up so far ha- have been pretty you know pretty good as well and I, I believe he spent most of of the season in Florida playing on, on a checking role um, other than the few times that he got an addition up on the top line with, with Barkov and Jagger. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where he slots in when he comes back. I mean, a lot of people would like to see him maybe play with, with Getzlaff and Perron and, and there's the, you know, maybe the option as well of playing with Raquel and Perry. I, I think obviously the only solidified line right now is Kessler, Silverberg and Cogliano. That line has seemed to be, uh, you know, it seemed to be untouchable for, for most of the season. And, and even during, uh, the winning streak when when Boudreaux has found the need to to switch up the lineup. Yeah, I agree with you, and we're, and we're going to get in more depth on all of this after we go through the next couple of trades because obviously some more players got moved around. We'll kind of talk about what we think the lineups will be and where players will fit. We had a fan question about it as well. Um, getting to this next trade, uh, this was another one that I liked too, Eddie. I, I liked uh, Jamie McGinn from Buffalo coming over. Uh, he wears my number 88. So I was, I was a little bit happy about that on a personal level. Um, nobody on the Ducks has ever worn 88. The only person to ever wear a number in the 80s was uh, Brzezgalov last year, shortly with number 80. But uh, he comes over, and this is another good pickup, uh, another winger that can score, uh, another guy like we talked about. And, you know, Maybe he goes on the Getzoff line, maybe he goes on the Raquel line. As you said, the uh, Kessler line is pretty set. But, again, uh, a second move of the day and another one that I liked, Eddie. Yeah, and, and I mean for for a top you know top checking winger on a third line too, he doesn't take a lot of penalties, which is which is good for this Ducks team. I mean, obviously the penalty kill is, is good, but we've you know had our worries about a guy like Ryan Garbett coming in, and and so far he hasn't taken any penalties, which is which is great. And, and you know, McGinn it, it, it plays a similar role, you know, adds a little bit more offense, and he doesn't take a lot of penalties either. And, and I think that's going to be beneficial. I mean. He, he kind of comes in um, and, and is a little bit of an improvement uh, on what Maroon brings. I mean, he's going to bring the physicality. He's going to forecheck. He's going to do all those things that well, we're going to miss about Maroon. But, I mean, he brings that extra added you know ability to, to score and, and set up premium scoring chances, which I think is, is really going to help. And, and it's a, a silent but a, a really good improvement on, on, you know, on us losing, losing out on Maroon. Yeah, I mean, if you look at him, you know, he played at Buffalo in 63 games this year, 14 goals and 13 assists, you know, 27 points. So that's, again, another, uh, you know, good, decent numbers that were put up just like Paris. So, 
We'll have to see where he fits on the line. But, you know, overall, a really good deal. I mean, the Ducks um, gave up a 2016 third-round pick, which is uh, conditional. Basically, uh, if you follow the conditions, uh, they can kind of be anything, I guess, uh, really, in the NHL. But for the, for the way it works is uh, Buffalo will get a third-round pick in 2016 um, unless Anaheim gets to the Western Conference Final and McGinn plays 50% of the games. If that happens, then it goes to a second-round pick, but not until 2017, Eddie. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the asking price on him for for most of the uh, rumors that were out there was that Buffalo was looking for a second-round pick, and I mean, a lot of people, even without these additions and the way the Ducks have been playing, would expect them to to make a push for the conference finals. I mean, it is a tough Western Conference, and um, I think it's a good deal. I mean, I would assume Murray put in the condition on this pick uh, to protect the, the Ducks a little bit. If they don't go far, they still get to keep a second-round pick. Um, and then the fact that if he doesn't play, either the Ducks have a deep roster. If, if he's not working out and he doesn't end up playing 50% of the games uh, and the Ducks still go to the conference finals, that protects him as well. So I think there's a lot of protection for the Ducks here. And, I mean, if he plays, he plays a prominent role and they get to the conference final or ultimately win the Cup. I mean, to, uh, to me, that's worth a, worth a second-round pick for sure. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Eddie. I think the first two uh, moves were very good by Bob Murray and the Ducks and no-brainers. Uh, then we get to the next move, which, uh, you know, a lot of people were upset about this one, Eddie. This is, uh, you know, Patrick Maroon gets sent to Edmonton, um, and, and the Ducks get a prospect defenseman in Martin Granat and a 2016 fourth-round pick. Uh, this was the one where a lot of people were really upset, um, but we kind of talked about this. I mean, after those other two deals were made, we talked about on Blab, we said, you know, some people asked, uh, we had Pete on there actually, he asked us, you know, well, what, what do you do now? I said, well, I said either the Ducks are going to stay pat and not do anything, or if they're going to move, they're going to move Pat Maroon. And um, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer, not you know. But we had talked about this, you know, weeks in advance of who, who would the Ducks move if they got another forward, and uh, well, it was Patrick Maroon. Yeah, and I, I think he's just a, a, a you know a really popular player among the fans, and that's why a lot of people are sad to see him go. Um, but like I said before, I mean, Jamie McGinn coming in, he does the same role physically, and he adds I mean about twenty more points on on what Maroon has. I mean, Maroon has thirteen points this season so far. 54 penalty minutes, and, and he was a, a minus 13, actually, which isn't isn't a great number for him. Obviously, the Ducks struggled early on um, in, in the season, but, you know, it, it is sad to see a guy go that, that's been here for, for so long, I believe, for the last five seasons now. And uh, But when you're able to to make an addition to your team and, and somebody's got to go, and we talked about this as far back as when the Drew and rumors started, that if somebody comes in, any any forward comes in, somebody's going to have to go. I mean, we were already scratching guys when everybody was healthy before we added uh, Perium again. And, you know, when we, right when we were getting off Blab, Blab at the end of that, I said if, if Murray doesn't add, you know, if Murray doesn't uh, get rid of one of our roster forwards, uh, we're going to have an issue where somebody's going to have to be scratched because right now, I mean, all you can send down is Harry Z and, and Richie, and you've still got two guys left out uh, to be scratched once uh, Stewie comes back and, and Horkoff comes back. And, you know, when you look through the roster, Maroon was the other guy out, and, and really no surprise that he eventually got dealt. Yeah, and, and, you know, this is something that I can kind of talk about now, too, is uh, a couple of different sources from the team told me about this, too, is that when he came into training camp, Fortunately, he wasn't ready to go, and I guess he got on the bad side of Bob Murray, 
uh, early in the season. And to be honest, he had a really slow start. I mean, he did play better once he played with uh, Perry and Raquel, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. But unfortunately, he, he just never really got his team going. So if you had to pick all the forwards that were on there and one that was going to have to go and be the odd man out once other forwards were brought in, he was definitely the guy, Eddie, because they weren't going to send him down to San Diego. Yeah, I mean, they weren't going to waive him because you would expect somebody to pick him up. I mean, Edmonton really needed a player like this. And, and I mean, he just the, I think it comes down to he wasn't producing like he was last year. I mean, he finished last year with 34 points, and he had 11 points in, in 16 playoff games. I mean, he had a really, really good season for him. He had, those were all career high for him last year, and then he struggles this season. I mean, a lot of the Ducks struggled early on, but when they started picking it up, he didn't really get to that level that he did last year. And I think when... Murray saw the opportunity to to add and improve on those situations. Um, I mean, unfortunately, he he was the guy that you know was it was an easy way out. Yeah, I agree, and that and I mean that's that's kind of what had to happen once they got those other players because, like you said, it was going to be too stacked. You had Chris Stewart coming back, Sean Horkoff's going to come back soon. Uh, the Ducks already sent uh, Harry Z down. Uh, you still have Richie up, which they may or may not send down. I uh, have to check the number of, uh, of uh, contracts the Ducks are under because the rosters will expand and they can bring uh, you know more to the team now. But I, I can't remember how uh, the exact number at the, uh, the top of my head. But the way it's going to work, I mean, it just it wouldn't work out. Like you said, there'd be too many players being scratched. The Ducks are already you know super heavy at the blue line, um, which is more news we'll get to today with the uh, Holzer coming back up. So. That's kind of the way that uh, we figured it would go, and then it happened. And then the uh, the Ducks made one more move, uh, not not really a big move, Eddie, but they they sent uh, Tim Jackman out, brought in Corey Troop, and uh, you know they uh, also moved out a seventh round uh, 2017 uh, draft pick. But uh, this was kind of more of a minor league deal. Um, you know, Corey Troop's going to be assigned to San Diego, just like or not. They both came out with that news today. But, uh, I mean, I was a little sad to see Jackman go, kind of one of my favorites, too. Um, but, again, I mean, it's it's just kind of another deal that they had to do, and they uh, ended up switching just really minor league players. It wasn't really a big deal, but uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise on my end, Eddie. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're just adding a little bit of youth. I mean, Trop and, and Jackman are similar players. They're, they're guys who are going to put up in the NHL maybe 10 points a season at, at their best, and they're physical guys. They'll fight. And I think the seventh round pick there is just to compensate for the difference in age. Uh, I mean, Trop is 26, so he's got a fair amount of years on, on Jackman. And I, I think they just wanted to add a little bit more grip and uh, grit into the San Diego lineup. And just a younger guy, you can keep around the organization longer. Maybe if he excels down in San Diego in a couple of years, you could bring him up and he can be a, a pretty good fourth liner for the Ducks. So all in all, I like the trade. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. No, I agree. I just, you know, he's just one of my favorites too. So just like I know a lot of people were upset about Maroon, I felt the same way. But like you said, if you look at all four of these moves, they all make sense. They all help the team. And uh, that's kind of some of the fan questions we had. You know, um, one of them we got from Adam. He uh, asked, you know, how do you think the, the Ducks stack up against Chicago now that this is all been said and done? And I think the Ducks are fine. I mean, Obviously, we don't really have to worry about Chicago right now. We have to worry about L.A. and San Jose. Those are the two teams we really have to worry about, Eddie. But, I mean, the way the Ducks played Chicago all three games this year, they could have won all three. So 
I'm not really concerned about playing Chicago if, if the Ducks do indeed go to the Western Conference Final and meet Chicago. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to beat them in four games. But I, I'm also not scared to play them again uh, if that's what's going to happen just like last year. Yeah, and I think you know Chicago bringing in Andrew Ladd uh, and, and Weiss and, and Fleischman, it, it kind of gives them three, if not four, lines uh, that can consistently, you know, cause problems for for teams, and that's what the Ducks have had all season. That's why I said, I mean, when they were struggling so early on in the season, we said, yes, they're struggling, but they're playing playoff hockey, and they're playing like a team who could who could go far in the playoffs. I mean, the, the defensively, they're doing well. They just weren't scoring goals, and now they're scoring goals, and, and it's almost impossible for teams to match up against them. I mean. We've seen that with them winning eight games in a row right now, and you bring in even more depth and with bringing in McGinn and Peary, and you know obviously they add Ladd in the left wing. They needed to, to play with Jonathan Taves and Marion Hosa, and you know LA brings in Versteeg, a little bit of of depth there for them. And you look at what a lot of these teams have in common uh, is they have three or four lines that that they can change on and match up. And I think the only advantage now that the Ducks have it is that. There's three lines with legitimate talent on them. I mean, I, I you have to you have to say that that is probably the case now in, in in Chicago as well. But you have to you have to match up against Getzlaff and Perron. You have to match up against Perry and Raquel. You have to match up against Kessler and Silverberg and Cogliano. You have to match up against those three lines, and then you can throw out that energy line with with Garber, who's been doing so well. And I think they do match up with Chicago now. I mean, we've seen that Kessler can shut down um, Taves, and now you've got to deal with Taves, Hosa, and Lad. Um, the Anisimov, uh, Panera, and Kane line has been great for them all season. Uh, they can now throw it a, a third line with two familiar guys on it with Weiss and Fleischman uh, and, and you know Kruger or whoever else they have at center down there. So I, I think it, it's a very close matchup, but I, I think definitely they, they, they can match up against them. That kind of leads us into our other question, too, about the lineups. You know, we kind of touched on it right there. Uh, Alexander asks about it. You know, what, you know, what does the forward lines look like? Uh, especially when everybody gets healthy. Well, you know, obviously that's going to be, you know, it's going to take some time here because today uh, Horkoff was at practice, but he's not eligible to return officially till March 11th. Uh, Stewart, we haven't gotten an update yet, but he's at least a couple of weeks out. And Paris, we should get, you know, some kind of indication this week once he gets examined by the Ducks doctors. Now, you take those three out right now, We'll kind of look at the lineup a little bit, and then we'll add them back in. Right now, the way it looks to me, Eddie, and, and this is going to obviously have to be determined as these next couple of games go, but if the Ducks stick with what they had, I, I would see Perron, Getzloff, and Santorelli together, maybe Garbutt up there. Uh, you know, They switched around a little bit in the Kings uh, series. Um, and then I would maybe see McGinn with Raquel and Perry. You keep uh, Cogliano, Kessler, and Silverberg together. And then obviously the fourth line would be, you know, Thompson and maybe Santorelli and Garbett or uh, Richie. I don't know how it would you know, pan out in the fourth line. But that's kind of how I would see the lines now with uh, those three players being, you know, on the IR or, you know, soon to return. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that, that Kessler, Cook, Vandal, Silverberg line, uh, that would be the line that you would expect to stay the same. Uh, Maroon was spending most of his time, I believe, with Raquel and Perry. So uh, uh, right now, I would like to see um, again go on that line um, and replace Maroon. Maroon was, I think, that line can can you know use some added grid on it, and and, and then McGinn's obviously going to be able to set up a little bit more scoring chances for them. Um, I like where Santarelli is on on that top line right now. 
uh, with Getzlaff and Perron. Obviously, that might change when, when Peary uh, is able to come back to the lineup or, or when Stewart's healthy closer to, to, to April. But and, and, you know, the fourth line has been good. I, I like what they've done with the fourth line. And maybe Richie goes down there, like you said, or, or maybe he eventually gets sent down. Uh, but I, I think putting him again with uh, Raquel and Perry is definitely the you know the good place to start with him. I mean, eventually he, we might see him uh, get a chance with with Getzoff and Perron too. I'm, I'm sure Boudreau will will work everything out and find the best fit for him. Now, speaking about if the the lineup you know was completely healthy right now and where everybody would be, which would be you know uh, kind of difficult because now you're bringing back in Stewart, you're bringing back in Horkoff, you're bringing back in Perry. I think it would be interesting. I mean, you could throw Stewart back with Perron and Getzoff again. Um, you put McGinn probably with Raquel and Perry. As you said, keep Cogliano, Kessler, and Silverberg together. And then the rest would probably be maybe on the on the fourth line. Uh, you know, maybe you put Perry, Santarelli on the fourth line with uh, Thompson and maybe mix Garbutt in there. Um, I don't know. That's kind of what I would see uh, once everybody's healthy and then maybe Richie goes back down or he's a healthy scratch. Um, that's just kind of my speculation right now. Obviously, you know, things can change. We've got to see how McGinn does and once the other guys come back, how they are too. But may- maybe that's a situation we kind of see there, Eddie, is, is that would be the top, you know, three lines. I, I call them 1A, 1B, and 1C because, I mean, they all almost play the same amount of time with the rest, you know, being on the Thompson line. Yeah, I think that's what you would expect. I mean, we're going to get to the the same type of situation that we had earlier on the season when everybody was healthy, where uh, you know Stewart was getting scratched here and there. So was Santarelli at times. So was Maroon as well. And I think that's the situation they're going to get back to. Obviously, there there's some locks where you would expect Getzlaff to stay with Perron. You'd expect the Kessler line to stay together. So that one's set. You'd expect Raquel and Perry to stay together. And then from there, it, it all depends uh, how you want it. I think with everybody healthy, you would. Uh, it, it all depends. It's, it's a tough situation because it all depends on, on how well somebody else does with Getzlaff and Perron. Obviously, Santarelli has done great. Uh, we all knew, know Stewart was doing really good with him as well. Um, but I think somebody can easily come in and, and do really well, and, and it creates a situation for Stewart when he comes back. And uh, I mean, it's not a bad situation for the Ducks. It's never a bad situation to have you know impact players that you can move around the lineup. But yeah, I mean, you're going to have to scratch some people when Horkov comes back soon. You you would expect Richie to get sent down, or if Peary comes back even earlier than Horkoff, uh, you know he's the easy option to send down with with Harry's he already gone down, and uh, you know I'm completely fine with that too. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. It's a very very hard call, other than the you know the guys we already have locked in right now. Yeah, but you know I think like you said, this is a good thing for the Ducks. The Ducks have plenty of players to put in these forward positions now. Where before, you know, we had to bring up Richie, we had to bring up Harry C. Now, you know, we're going to have all these other guys. We're going to get Stuart Horkoff back. Uh, Paris will be in there too. We have plenty of guys. So I, I think that's huge for the Ducks. Like you said, it, it's it's a lock. You got Perron and Getzloff together, Nurkel and Perry, and then the Kessler line. Those, those, I mean, barring anything crazy, those should be you know, at least the pairings and the one line the way it should be. And then after that, you kind of figure it out, like you said. So it's a very, very good situation going forward. Uh, kind of shifting gears here, we had another question about the defense. And, uh, you know, at the trade deadline, nothing happened with uh, Sammy Botnan. He didn't get dealt. Lindholm didn't get dealt. Uh, obviously, Raquel didn't. And Anderson. But if you look at the defense, you know, the question is, is what about Sammy Botnan? What did the Ducks do kind of going forward here? Um, obviously the defense is going to stay the same pretty much. 
We do know that Dupree, according to Eric Stevens, appeared to be ill today, so Holzer might play tomorrow instead of Dupree. That's really the only update we got on that end. But as far as what the Ducks will do, uh, you know, going forward, coming to the off season, uh, it's going to be interesting, Eddie. I mean, they're going to have to make some decisions here. I, I really think that they're going to want to keep uh, Lindholm and Raquel first. And then after that, they'll have to see, um, especially with Botnan and then Anderson. Yeah, and, and this is how I think it, it really you know deals out in the way guys get signed. Like you said, I, I think Raquel and Lindholm are the you know the two guys you have to re-sign right away. Those are your first two priorities. I'm sure they're working with them now, and, and you would expect those guys to be locks to get re-signed. Um, and then it, it, it kind of comes down to uh, definitely Vaughn and Anderson. And I think with Perron being a UFA and the way he's playing right now, I think he gets thrown in the mix there as well as, as another decision for them too because you only have so much money. Obviously, you know, a big part of, of dealing Maroon away too as well is clearing up that scat, uh, that cap space. Uh, McGinn is a UFA. Uh, you clear up about 1.5 with the Ducks retaining 25% of, of Maroon's salary. You clear up 1.5 million for the next two seasons, which is, is is very helpful and it helps you, you know, have a little bit more flexibility in re-signing those guys. Um, but yeah, I think one of them has to go, um, and I think Vatnin is your most likely option. I mean, he, I think everybody expects uh, Shea Theodore to be up in the lineup next year, um, and and everybody else is locked into contract. Uh, you know, Lindholm, we said he has to be signed. You know, Fowler's still going to be here unless you decide to trade him. Uh, you know, uh, Bexa will still be here. Manson will still be here. Dupre will still be here. And and I think he's he's you know the odd man out, even though he's having such a great season. But I, this is your chance to to stock up on, on some forwards and, and replenish uh, your draft pool. And I think it's a good opportunity for the Ducks. I mean, I think Theodore can come in and, and provide the same offense. Uh, and the same you know production on the power play that Vatnin is providing this season. You do lose a, a right-hand shot, but I think it, it's a good opportunity for the Ducks, like I said, to trade him at the draft to a team who needs a puck-moving defenseman. And, and trust me, there's a lot of teams right now who could use a player like Sammy Vatnin, and you're going to get a good return for him. Uh, even with him ju- you know, uh, just being at an RFA status, I, I think it's a good opportunity for them for to move him. And, and, and then once they do... You've got to choose between Perron and Anderson if you can't sign them both. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know what Raquel and Lindholm are going to get signed for and what Perron and Anderson would want. Um, but if you have to choose between the two, it's a tough situation. I mean, who is our backup if you don't sign him? If you don't sign Freddie, yeah, I mean, you've got Gibby, and I believe that the organization believes that he's going to be the, the number one goalie for the future. Um, and, and definitely Anderson could catch a good return, but... Uh, right there is a tough situation, and, and I don't think I could choose right now uh, who I would sign um, between Perron and, and Freddie. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we're going to have to see what happens. You know, obviously, we've still got a month or so left of, of regular season hockey. Then we've got the playoffs, of course, and that's going to have to determine what we decide to do as far as the RFA situation. I do think that Raquel and Lindholm are your number one and two guys you want to you know keep. And then Botnan, you're going to have to figure out, which uh, just want to touch on a little bit. There were some rumors out there that we dispelled uh, on Botnan um, uh, during this weekend. I got a lot of messages from uh, all of you out there about uh, Botnan wanting $6 million per season for six years. And just want to let you all know that that was never, ever verified um, on um, uh, social media. It was out there by a couple different people. I talked to Eric Stevens, and there was an NHL correspondent as well. 
and they uh, said that that was not true. So we know Vatnin's going to want more money. Obviously, he's only making one point two million, so he's going to want more. But that kind of a deal uh, is, is a little bit far fetched. So just be careful when you see people saying things like that uh, out there, and, and they're trying to uh, you know stir up fans because I know some fans are kind of getting upset. And just be mindful because uh, you know the players do read social media. Their family do check out stuff. We have several parents that follow us and, and, and see what we do and what we say. So just be mindful of that. I, I do think Botna may get moved. Obviously, he is going to want more. And like you said, Eddie, it's going to really come down to Perron or Anderson. I mean, if the Ducks are going to play close to the cap or not, um, it's really going to be hard because, like you said, once Lindholm and Raquel get their deals, which you know they're obviously going to both get bumps and, and increases and deservedly so that they should, um, it's going to be hard to see. And then after that, you still got some other RFAs to decide on. You got Horkoff, uh, you got Santarelli, and you got Stewart. So they're going to have to try and figure it out from there, Eddie. And don't forget now that you also have Brendan Peary, depending on his play as well, he'll be an RFA uh, that you have a chance to sign at the end of the season as well. And yeah, I mean, right at that point in time, I don't think I'd want to be Bob Murray. It's a tough decision. Those are two key players in, in Vatnin and Anderson that you have a chance to resign. But you also, if you do move them, you're not losing them for nothing. I mean, they are RFAs. They are locked in, and you have the ability to trade their rights. Um, and it's a tough decision to to you know to maybe resign David Perron. I mean, the the chemistry he's had with with Ryan Getzlaff, if he can produce like this season after season. And you can keep Getzloff and Perry apart and have that threat. I think it opens up your cup window a little bit longer as long as Getzloff and Perry and Kessler can produce at the way they've been doing lately. So I, it's a tough decision. It's definitely one I'm glad I don't have to make. Yeah, I agree. And that's what we, you know, we try to tell people out there too. We see a lot of people that try to be armchair GMs or armchair coaches. And, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that even we don't know. I mean, we get some info, but we don't know everything either. So, uh, you know, I don't like to be critical uh, of the, the GM or the coach uh, on certain things. I mean, obviously, if the team is tanking and we're in last place, um, at, you know, towards the end of the season, that would be a different story. But uh, as far as things are going right now, I mean, I don't like to be critical because, you know, we're not we're not GMs. We're not coaches. You know, we just we analyze the game. We give you our thoughts. And um, like you said, I'm glad I'm not in Murray's position. Um, and, and speaking of that, you know, with the GMs and the, the decisions that were made, on this trade deadline, we can kind of talk about some of the other teams as well and the things that we saw. There was there were some surprises, maybe a little bit, Eddie, in the trade deadline. I mean, uh, Erickson didn't get moved. Druin didn't get moved. Hamus didn't get moved. Uh, some teams did nothing. Uh, I think it was the Sharks did nothing. Uh, the Leafs made some moves the days before. They didn't make any on the trade deadline. Uh, Vancouver did nothing. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's some interesting things. What, what were your thoughts on the trade deadline? Any like winners and losers or any surprises maybe that you, uh, saw from Monday? You know, there were, there was a lot of, I think the Carolina Hurricanes were big winners. I mean, Eric Stahl, you get uh, two second round picks and, and a high end prospect for your captain. And, and there's a high chance that he might even come back to, uh, Carolina and, and re-sign in the off season. They have, they'll have a, a fair amount of cap space if they want to bring him back. Uh, his, he, I don't think he'll he'll fetch the eight eight point two five million that he did in his last contract, and, and there's no way the Rangers will be able to re-sign him. And, and they did they got a good return uh, from L.A. On, on Christopher Stieg too, so I think they improved their future uh, and made some good moves as well. And you you have to mention the Florida Panthers before the deadline picking up uh, Yuri Hoodler, Teddy Purcell, and Jakob Kindle two days before the deadline. I mean they did all their moves there, and, and they they just 
you know, bolstered their chances to, to go far in, in the playoffs. And, you know, the, the Leafs, too, I, I think adding some more draft picks to the already big pool of draft picks that they had um, and moving off some big contracts and, and taking advantage of a little bit of, uh, of loopholes and, and bringing in, you know, some higher salary cap players to get a better return, I, I think they did a good job, too. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of teams who did a good job. I mean, I think Calgary did. Obviously, you know, we did. Um, but you know, if you're going to look on the other side of the spectrum, I, I think Vancouver not dealing him. He was, I, I know it was a tough situation. I know he, he refused any Eastern conference trades. He wanted to stay closer to his family. Uh, he really liked to, to be in Vancouver and I, I think they resigned to the fact, um, that he was going to, but, uh, I mean, he was open to Dallas and apparently there was a, a, a deal on the table. They, they had accepted it, but, uh, Benning, uh, Vancouver GM came back and asked for more. Um, and the deal just fell apart, and I think that's a very big mistake from them. And, and also not moving Radim Verbata. Um, that's a guy who's a UFA. Uh, you know, it's hard to say if he'll sign in Vancouver next year. And you, you, you'll get it. You could get something for him. I mean, you could have got something. Maybe a second round pick. Maybe a third and a fourth. You, you would still get something that's going to help you build for the future. And you know, there's there's almost no way they make the playoffs now. So if you end up losing him for nothing, that that's a you know, a big mistake by them. And then lastly, what you mentioned too, was Druin not being dealt. I think that's a, a huge surprise. I mean, the rumors that we're hearing in the days leading up and, and you know, even uh, a day before and the day of is he's probably going to get dealt. There's a, a high chance that one of these like five or six interested teams is going to make a deal and nothing happened. Uh, I mean, it's surprising. Uh, I thought he was honestly going to get dealt. I heard Ottawa was in on him deep. Uh, even the the Ducks were in on him. Uh, St. Louis was in on him. Minnesota. I mean, a lot of teams that seemed like they had a lot of interest, but Eisenman couldn't get that player that could help them now. A lot of teams were giving up futures. I'm sure our offer probably included Brandon Montour in there, and uh, they probably wanted a guy like Sammy Vaughn or, or Shattenkirk or, or Jonas Brodeen. But a lot of these teams who were after Drew were playoff teams, and it'll most likely now be a deal that that's made at the draft. Yeah, I agree with you. I think out of all the moves, the Druin one was probably the worst. Uh, and you know, as far as nothing getting done and being a surprise as well. And uh, I kind of call it Druin the ruin because I mean, you know, he, he just really shot himself in the foot, Eddie. I mean, I'm not. I don't like to criticize you know players and anything like that. That's not my style. But in this situation, I I just think that he kind of went a little bit too far, and. Um, you know, I, I think the best thing that he could do, Eddie, is to uh, get back to practicing and, and, you know, getting back on his game. I know he's suspended right now, but he's going to need to work hard to get back to where, um, you know, it's going to mean something to him. And it's going to be a real test for him. I, I really hope that he does turn it around. I really hope that he puts in the work and, and just keeps his mouth quiet and, and does the hard work because, I, you know, I think him and his agent coming out and all that stuff, I, I – I don't want to be critical because, you know, he may turn around and may be awesome. And maybe in a couple of years we'll go back to this podcast and go, hey, I said he was going to turn it around, which I really hope anybody does, any player does. But I think that situation and being a GM too in Eisenman shoes isn't easy either. Uh, trying to figure that out and trying to, you know, maybe move him and, and get a guy that can help their team now, uh, you know, and, and at the same time and not have to deal with the whole situation uh, you know, it's just it's just an unfortunate situation all the way around, and you just hate to see that with any kind of team, Eddie. Yeah, and Eisman opened the door uh, after the trade deadline for him to come back, 
and, and play with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I believe him and his agent have turned down that opportunity, and they said that his time in Tampa Bay is done. And I think that's a big mistake from him. I mean, the only thing that can help him right now is playing hockey. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think they don't really care the return that they get. He just wants to be dealt to an, another team, to a, a team that he can get a fresh start in. But it, it's a really poor situation for him, and I, I think it was handled just terribly by him and his agent. I, I think him playing in the AHL, he should have stayed there. He should, they, they shouldn't have missed games. He shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have led to the suspension. And it's a messy situation, and, and I'm surprised. You know, so many teams were in on him. Obviously, he he has talent, he has potential. His junior, you know, career speaks to that. But you know, th- this kind of tarnishes anything you do after this. I mean, if he becomes a superstar, I'm sure a lot of us forget about it. But right now, it, I mean, this is pretty much rock bottom for for a guy that we expected to be a superstar by now in this league. Yeah, I agree, Eddie. And it's just something that we're going to watch and have to see, you know, what happens and how it goes from here on out. Um, we'll kind of shift gears here and go back to the Ducks and, and finish up here on the podcast. But, uh, you know, this week uh, they already beat the Kings. Uh, Corey Perry with his awesome hat trick uh, got rid of my uh, Ducks and Pucks hat. It ended up somewhere in the 200 level, and then hopefully it went on the ice. But uh, I have some extra ones, so I'm not too worried about it. And I'm kind of glad I wear them to the game because uh, – they're easily, you know, replaced. But uh, so they took out L.A., which was fantastic. Uh, again, four to two, just like the last meeting. But uh, this week's going to be a little intense. I mean, we've got Montreal on Wednesday night, um, and then they're going to go, uh, you know, to Arizona on Thursday, and then on Saturday, which we're going to have another watch party at El Ranchito. They're going to play L.A. So. You know, they're going to have three interesting games here. You have Montreal, who, who obviously has not been doing as well. It's kind of slipped down in the playoff hunt on Wednesday. You've got Arizona, who's trying to battle it out with Vancouver to, you know, get maybe a wild card. But now that's looking kind of, uh, you know, bleak for them as it's more or less uh, Colorado and Minnesota fighting it out. And then, of course, you've got L.A. on Saturday, which if it's anything like the game on Sunday, it's going to be tons of fun. Uh, that was an intense game from start to finish, Eddie. So, you know, another big um, week. The Ducks already won one game. Uh, and I think out of these next three, uh, you know, that they can definitely take two out of three. Yeah, you know, Montreal, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I think it's a lot easier now. They give up Weiss. They give up Fleischman. I mean, those, those are key depth guys to their team. Carey uh, Price is still out. Um, and they're they're still struggling. I mean, they're they're fighting to get in the playoffs. Uh, their their road record is, is not good. Um, you know, they're a lot better at home. Uh, like you said, they just lost six two to uh, San Jose um, to uh, yesterday night, and now they're going to come in and and play the you know the Ducks who have won eight games in a row. And I I think it should be a, not an easy win, but it it should be a, a game that the Ducks can win. And I mean, the way they've been playing at home. This season, and obviously uh, as of late, they're now twenty-eight and four at home. Uh, I mean, it, you would expect them to go into this game and win, and then and then you go uh, on the road out to to play Arizona, where they've been you know pretty decent at home. I mean, better than they are on the road, that's for sure. But they just got thrashed by Pittsburgh six nothing the other night, um, and they just lost Mikel Bodker. Obviously, brought in Alex Tongay, who will play a similar role, but won't provide as much for them and. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like they've resigned to to being out of the playoffs, but right now they're they're sitting eight points out of a, a wild card spot and you know, fourteen points out of the last spot in the division that's held by the San Jose Sharks. So it's it's almost you know too late for them 
the Ducks should go in there, take advantage of the fact that they've been scoring a lot of goals lately. Uh, Arizona's lost six in a row, so that doesn't help them either. So, again, I mean, we talked about before when they played the Kings, you could possibly go into L.A. Have won, having won seven games in a row. Well, you might possibly go into playing in L.A. In, at Staples Center having won ten in a row. <laughs> I mean, that would be the ideal situation, obviously. I mean, we would all love it if they'd never lost a game for the rest of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. But... Uh, you know, you could go into Stable Center uh, having 10 in a row with these next two games, and, and boy, that would be another great game. I mean, the last game against LA um, on Sunday w- was amazing, but I mean, this this could mean even more. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be intense. I mean, it seems like now every time you know we get within two points, the Kings win, and then the Ducks, you know, are down by four. The Ducks win; they're within two, and it just seems to keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So. You know, it's going to be a tight race. You, you know, you have the Kings, uh, at least at the time of recording this, they're at 78 points, the Ducks are at 76, and San Jose at 74. So, you know, it's an all-Cali team affair uh, in the Pacific Division, which is kind of what we had thought way back in the beginning of the season. It, it wasn't like that in the beginning. It looked like it was going to be uh, Arizona and L.A. up there and, and a big dog pile behind. But now it's it's kind of gotten a little bit clearer, and it's going to be the California teams. Uh, most likely battling it out for the you know the one two and three it's going to be it's going to be fun and it's going to be intense um obviously the ducks are going to play the kings this week they're going to play them one more time after that um but i i like the way the ducks are playing i mean if you look at february they're 12 one and one eddie they set the record uh for the points in that uh, you know franchise record for the points in the last month it was their best month uh gets off on fire he gets the number one star in the nhl 20 points Six goals and 14 assists, a plus 13 rating, and 11 game point streak. I mean, hello? Who would have thought that back in the beginning of the season? You know, a lot of people were upset with him in the beginning. Then we found that he was injured, and now he's just killing it. I mean, uh, him and Piran have just been going bonkers, basically, uh, on the Ducks. And, and with these added players, I mean, everything looks bright. If you're a Ducks fan right now, you really don't have anything to complain about. I mean, you may be sad that Maroon or Jackman are gone or whatnot, but you really have to look at this team, and you have to be extremely positive going into March and into April. This team that went from being, you know, at almost the last place, I think they were, what were they, 29th or 30th, whatever it was? I think at one point they were 30th in the entire NHL. Yeah, back in what November, the beginning of November, yeah. or whatever it was, they were the you know at the bottom, and now if you look at the Ducks, they could be the best team uh, in the entire conference. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch because Chicago and Dallas are both at eighty three points, but they've also played three more games. Um, so if you look at it there, I mean, there's a nine-point difference, but it's really a three-point difference because of the game differential. So I mean, there's still a chance that. I mean, could you imagine the Ducks go from all the way in the bottom and they end up first in the Western Conference? Who would have thought that? I mean, we, we thought at the beginning of the season before the, the the melee and the massacre of October. But, I mean, you have to look at this team. Look at what they're doing right now. Uh, I mean, after Christmas, they I don't know if they read my article and Eric Stevens' article. We're, we were both pretty critical. But they they freaking turned on the the jets and have just been destroying people. I mean, they only lost one game in regulation in February. That's just crazy, Eddie. Yeah, and they could come all the way back and take this and just steal this division away from the LA Kings, something that we thought they had locked up way ahead of time. And now you're right back in it. You win this game tomorrow, 
you you you're not in first, but you're tied for first with LA Kings. Obviously, with the tiebreakers, you I I believe because the Kings have scored more goals and they have more regulation overtime wins, you're regulation. still in second place. But like you said, I mean, if they win the next three games and you look at where they would be at with at 64 games played, where Chicago's at, you'd be one point behind the the Western Conference lead. I I mean, I don't think anybody thought that they would be in this position. Um, this far into the season, the way they'd started, but I mean, it's a testament how they fought back the the additions that Murray has made. Um, you know, with Perron coming in and, and Gar, even Garbett coming in as well, have just really helped the Ducks. I mean, Perron has been amazing, more than we could have expected. I mean, we we easily won that trade. Obviously, Hagelin is doing pretty well in Pittsburgh, but the way that this that this trade has helped out Ryan Getzlaff. I mean, ever since Perron has come in, Perron's been here for 18 games. I mean, majority of that's been on Getzlaff's line. And and you look at the the, the tear that Getzlaff went on in February, and, and, and you know some of that has to be attributed to, to Perron playing beside him. And, and it's really helped spur them on this run, which you know could get them to win the Pacific Division again. I, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean... The- there's nothing more that can be said, really. I mean, the way that the Ducks have turned us around, um, you know, you have to give Murray some credit, too. I mean, he has some serious cojones to stick with Boudreaux when a lot of people back at the end of October, beginning of November, were upset. And um, if you caught the article that we had, I went to the Ducks diehards party, and usually they have a player there. Instead, they had Boudreaux, which, you know, was a surprise. We were all thinking, oh, let's, you know, a player's going to come out. Instead, it was Boudreaux, who was. Uh, hilarious if you do, if you ha- haven't read that article you have to go back there are some hilarious quotes in there and um i think the best one eddie was going back to the uh, road trip in december before christmas when they lost to buffalo and he said that uh you know he was worried about getting fired and he basically hit out and he said you know what if murray can't find me he can't fire me <laughs> i mean i just thought that was hilarious and he just he's just cracking me up i mean he was very very you know funny uh, some of the the answers, like some people would ask some questions, and he'd be like, "Well, the standard answer is, oh, we gotta play better and try harder." But you know, and then he would be like, well, "Screw that!" He's like, "You know, do your job," and you know, he would just start going off on, on you know how he really would be, how a coach would be in the locker room, you know, trying to motivate the guys and do what they gotta do. And uh, you know, it was interesting. It was a different side that that even I hadn't seen at Boudreaux before. I, I had met him outside of practice a couple times and had seen him in a few things, but. I mean, it was hilarious. He's he's just one funny guy, and uh, you know, for the Ducks to come back, uh, you have to give him credit. You have to give the whole team credit, uh, and you have to give Murray. Uh, I mean, it's just been amazing. I mean, uh, it was a rough start in October. The way that they've turned it around has been awesome. Uh, you know, obviously, well, we're not going to be completely happy. We want to keep this going, um, so I'm hoping that they do, and then we go into the playoffs and we carry into the playoffs, and then. You know, from there we'll see what happens. But um, you know, it's everything's going good for the team. You should, you know, if you're a Ducks fan right now, you should be extremely happy with the way things are going. Um, you know, this this team is rolling right now. I, I don't remember a time when the team has been doing you know this well after doing so poorly, other than going back to when they made the playoffs in '96, '97, when they had that same terrible start. So it's just been a great season all around, Eddie. And I think you and I are going to enjoy the ride. We're going to be here every week talking about it. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, and, and like you said before, a lot of credit has to go to to Bob Murray for keeping 
for, for keeping Bruce Brito into the system. It put a lot of the blame on the players, which is well-deserved. I mean, they were playing poorly uh, to start the season, and, and you, you can't really put all the blame on Bruce Boudreau. And, and you know, it, it really showed the players that they've got to step it up here. I mean, the, the coach isn't going anywhere. This is the guy you've got to play for, so play for him. And that's what's turned it around. And, and I mean, Boudreau's a great coach. Like we said before, when, when all this mess was happening, if you, if you get rid of him, who are you going to replace him with? There's no one better than than him that we could replace him with, and and arguably there was some he was better than some of the coaches that were even winning um, at the time. And, and I mean, look where we are now. I mean, it, it's great testament to, to to his you know belief in, in Boudreaux and the the system that he he instills and and the players that he has to, that they could pick it up and and get to where they are now. Absolutely right, Eddie. And even the players backed him up too back in the beginning too. You know, when some people thought. Maybe some things are going on. Uh, according to players, that wasn't true. They all said, you know what, no, it's on us. We're, we're the ones not gelling. We're the ones not doing it. I mean, they were playing defense, but they weren't playing offense. And, and you know, they they were upfront about it too. So all around, everybody, you know, um, did what they needed to do, and they turned it around. And uh, this, you know, podcast was obviously a special one that we did with the trade deadline. But um, we'll hopefully be back either Saturday or Sunday. You know, that's what we usually do. And if you can come out to the watch party, we'll be there at El Ranchito in Orange uh, this Saturday, probably around 12 o'clock. I believe the game's at 1. So I hope to see you there. And let's go Ducks.